see our children are being dismissed to Children's Church. And uh, as we do in Bible school, which we had a couple weeks ago, we can say, bye, little children. Everybody say, bye, little children. We hope you all have a good day in Children's Church, little children. All right. Are we thankful for our praise team? Amen. 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 Yeah, we can give a round of applause. Thankful for them. All right. I need a prayer myself here. All right. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. Please be with me this morning as I proclaim your word. Uh, Lord, may the words that I say be true, not false. May they be yours and not mine. May uh, more than my voice be heard. May your spirit's breath be received, Lord. We pray. Uh, Lord, for everything that we receive at your hand, uh, might, uh, might we apply it to our lives. And Lord, might uh, our doing so bring you honor and glory. We pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. <clears throat> so, I suspect this, that most of us in this room, most of us as human beings anyways, when we go into a new social situation, maybe, maybe a different social situation than you're used to, or just a new one, that uh, we don't want to go in and stand out. Now, we want to be able to kind of go in and, and just kind of go with the flow and not be, not be known for being new and different. Uh, most of y'all would agree that whenever you go into a new situation, you don't want, to, you don't want people to be like, oh, look, there's an oddball. Uh, we, we see them. This is why we do things like this. This is why you'll ask people, okay, so we're going to the wedding, and the wedding's at this time, and so are, 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 are the guys wearing jeans, or are they wearing slacks? Or, or people will, uh, uh, or you'll find on church websites, people will say, okay, so, so if I show up, is everybody going to be in a shirt and tie, or is, there, are, are, is it going to be uh, Hawaiian shirts? And I always tell people it's going to be more Hawaiian shirts per capita at Friendswood Baptist Church than anywhere else, right? So, um, but you know, we want to know these things. We we don't want to be the person who shows up in slacks when everybody's in shorts, right? We want to be able to kind of come in and not stand out as it were like a sore thumb. I think this is interesting to know that that is common to human psychology. And I don't think it's new to human psychology, but it's common to human psychology when we, as we continue in the book of 1 Peter. And Peter is talking to people who are both socially and spiritually exiles where they live. And Peter uh, begins to uh, tell them that they need to set themselves apart. They need to stand out in this society that they are living. Uh, we find this uh, in First Peter as we can we can pick up from where we left last week, uh, read last week uh, in verse thirteen, and we'll move on uh, through a few verses here. Peter says, "Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." 
He said, do this as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to, the former, to, to your former lust in your ignorance. But as he which is called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter continues and says, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your, 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 your empty way of life that you had received by the tradition from your fathers or that you inherited from your ancestors, Rather, you are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. It's uh, you by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope is in God. So Peter doesn't say, use the language of set yourselves apart. He uses this Old Testament term uh, that, uh, that uh, you and I might be familiar with, and that Old Testament term is holy. He says, you should live holy lives, and he says, you should be holy uh, like God told the children of Israel, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, we want to understand this term does mean to set to, to have a person or an object or a space that is set aside for a particular purpose. In the Old Testament, there was uh, the tabernacle and then later the temple that was a, a holy place. And then you had the most holy place. And what this meant was, hey, we have dedicated this space. We have, we have devoted this space to a particular use, and that particular use was to be the, the, the house of God, to be the footstool of the Lord's throne, as it were. Uh, to, the mercy seat was to be uh, the, the, the idea of the image of God's throne here on earth. Um, and so, uh, so the temple was uh, dedicated as a, as a set-aside holy land. The land itself, uh, the land of Israel, was dedicated as a, as, as, as a land that is dedicated unto the Lord. The priests were dedicated. They were set aside for particular service in the, uh, uh, in the temple and to the Lord's people. But then the whole nation of Israel, and in Leviticus 19, verse number 2, there's four times in Leviticus where it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. But the whole nation was to be set aside, to be set aside for a particular purpose, to be devoted to a particular task. Now, I would argue that the particular task that Israel was to be set aside for was the task of being the witnesses to the world of God's covenant love and faithfulness towards his people. Uh, so they were set aside for this particular task. But get this, it doesn't just say you be set aside for a particular task. It says that God himself is set aside for a particular task. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, a lot of people want to say that just means God is holy other, and that is true. But what we need to understand is what in, 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 in the Old Testament pagan world, and we should understand this in our day and age today as well, that God is saying, I am set apart from all the other deities. All the other ideologies, all the other theologies, I am different than them. 
And not only am I set apart from them, I'm set aside for a particular task. And God's particular task to his people throughout the Old Testament and has been revealed to be unto the whole world through Jesus Christ, his particular task has been to show us that he is trustworthy, he is faithful, and that he loves us. That is God's particular task in this world. Can y'all wrap your minds around that? That God has set aside himself for the particular task of letting people who often are afraid of the deities or think that the deities need to be conjoled or the deities need to be bought off. The God who has revealed himself throughout the Old Testament and in the person of Jesus Christ, the God who uh, was preached to you uh, whenever, uh, whoever taught you about the, the God of the Bible, this God has set himself aside to be wholly devoted to us. He has set himself aside so that he could uh, be about the particular task of letting us know that he is trustworthy, he is faithful, and that he loves us with an everlasting love. That is, in my estimation, what we should get from holiness of God. Is that he is devoted to loving us no matter what. He has set himself to this particular task. To be trustworthy and to be faithful to us no matter what. So, then, if we understand that God is set aside for this task, then we are set aside for this task of revealing that he is trustworthy, and that he loves every last person. We are set aside for this task. Now, here's what Peter says to these chosen exiles. I want you to set yourselves apart from your culture. From the place where you are finding yourself socially exiled, from the place where you are finding yourself spiritually exiled, I want you to stand out. I don't want you to look like everybody else, act like everybody else, have the same uh, values, standards, ideologies as everybody else. You should be a unique people, you chosen exiles. You should not come into this new social situation and try to fit in. You should stand out. And as we are applying this to us today, as more and more of us and Christians, and especially those who grew up with this idea of Christian America, are finding themselves foreigners in a strange land, exiles in a strange land, I will say this, we should be standing out. We should be setting ourselves apart. Now, Peter is going to go on in this text that we've just read, and he's going to give uh, three uh, more kind of words of encouragement. He's going to tell them the attitude by which they need to set themselves apart. He is going to tell them the reason, the reason why they need to set themselves apart. And then he's going to tell them the way that they need to set themselves apart. And so we're not just going to rail that we need to be standing apart. Let's consider the attitude in which you and I, the attitude that will help you and I live in such a way that we could be set apart. Uh, the attitude is this. The attitude is the attitude of reverent fear. Reverent fear is the attitude. Here we go. Peter says, uh, 
As he which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation is in all manner of lifestyle. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He says, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, without respect of persons, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, that means that God judges impartially. God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't go, and we know this throughout the story of the children of Israel. He doesn't look at the children of Israel and go, oh, I see you're doing the same thing that the pagans are doing, but it's okay because you're my kids. And he says, you're supposed to be different and you're going to be judged in the same way that the nations are judged whenever they do the corrupt, unjust, horrific things that they're doing as well. So it means that God judges impartially. This also means God doesn't play favorites like in, in any way. Um, God has said, I reign on the good and the bad. So you and I, we live in a world where we really need to wrap our minds around this because you will come to a place in your and time in your life where something terrible has happened to you and when you've been trying to do it all right. And now, none of us get it all right all the time, but we do strive to do right. I, I trust that you and I are striving to do right. And you will have some unfair, unjust, unholy thing done towards you. You will lose a loved one. Uh, you will get diagnosed with the big C, right? Uh, uh, all manner of evil will happen to you. And there will creep into your mind, I don't deserve this. There will happen into your heart this idea, this understanding that says, why is God letting this happen to me? And there are some really horrible, corrupt, crooked individuals that are not, nothing bad is happening to them. A, I want to tell you this. God understands your heart whenever you feel that way. Our God who loves us understands that you don't get to see the whole complexities of this world. And he understands that you're going to feel that way. He's, he's big enough to bear it. I can promise you that too. He's not a petty de deity who's sitting there going like, you can't question me. He is a God who loves us like a father. And he would say, hey, son, you have a question? Come sit down and let's talk about it. All right? So that's A. You will feel it. God understands it. Here's the other thing. This is what, this is, what is so hard to wrap around uh, our, our minds and hearts around God is God does not withhold good from people who we would say don't deserve good. He also, he also does not withhold bad from people that we would say don't deserve bad. This world happens. Uh, uh, sin, death, hell, uh, so you will suffer the consequences of somebody else's bad decision. You know, there's been plenty of people who have died at the hand of a drunk driver who had never had a sip of alcohol. Right? This is the, the complex, overwhelming, mind-blowing, heart-wrenching thing that a lot of people do not understand about God because what they want to say is God plays eye for an eye. And God doesn't play eye for an eye. He gave us the law of eye for an eye because you and I would go well beyond eye for an eye. It was a boundary marker. It was like a, a stop. Like, hey, hey, the most you can do is, is do a equal retribution for somebody else's bad behavior. God in heaven does not play equal retribution. How we know this is because you and I who are not righteous have received 
freely from God his love and his rescue and his forgiveness. That's how we know God is not in the equal retribution of justice business. He is far more, he's far bigger than that, and he's far more complex than that. And that is something that you and I receive gladly whenever we understand we're experiencing mercy. But it becomes a hard thing whenever we're not experiencing things on the mercy end. When we're experiencing the hard times of life. I did not mean to expound on all that as much as I did, but we do need to understand this. Our God is impartial. And so what he says, if you understand, even though he's Father God, I'm going to live obediently to him, your attitude should be in reverent fear. I want to make sure that we understand this is an attitude, a posture that one chooses to take of how they are going to live in God. This is not the reason that you should obey God is you should be afraid because he's going to judge everybody impartially. Do we understand the difference of choosing an attitude to say, I know that God judges impartially. And so I'm not going to get a favored judgment because I'm his son or I'm his daughter. And if I know that I'm not going to get a favored judgment, then what the attitude that I'm going to take is I'm going to reverently live a holy life. So Peter's first point or first additional uh, uh, kind of understanding, he says, set yourselves apart with an attitude of reverent fear. Second thing that he's going to go on to say is, now here's really the reason why you want to live holy lives. Here's the real reason why you want to stand out from the society that you live in. First of all, you've been redeemed from a useless way of life. You've been redeemed from something that wasn't getting you anything in the first place. You need to understand this. What you were redeemed from was nothing that was going to bring life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was not going to bring joy. It was not going to bring wholeness to you or to this world. What you have been redeemed from, what you inherited from your ancestors was useless. So first of all, you need to understand you've been redeemed from a useless way of life. The second thing is you need to understand the cost of your redemption is the love of God as revealed in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is the cost of your redemption. You've been redeemed from a useless way of life and it came at a high cost. And that high cost, don't say just the blood. The high cost is what the blood reveals and the blood reveals the love of God. God's un unwavering, unbounded love towards all of humanity is revealed in the shed blood of Jesus, which is much more precious than silver or gold. You've been redeemed from a useless way of life. Man, do we have to wrap our hearts and minds around this. We want to stand out in reverent fear, but we, we must stand out because the way that, the way that this world is going, the, the, the choices and the tactics that they use, they do not win the day. 
They don't win hearts and minds. They actually don't create better societies and worlds. They do not bring health and wholeness and, 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 and every good thing into this life. We want to pretend that they do, but they don't. What am I talking about? What sorts of things might I be talking about? Well, you could talk about all the immoral things that you want to say, and we can bring that into the picture as well. But first, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this idea that if I hate somebody and I slander them, I'm going to actually fix things in this world. Let's start there. Let's start. Have you ever fixed a problem that you were having with your spouse because you went and told your girlfriend about it? Did that fix the problem between you and your husband? Did it fix the, did it fix your heart? And I'm not talking about like seeking counsel and saying, hey, friend, this is what's going on. I need to know how to address this. I'm talking about, you can't believe what he just did. Now, I say that and women go, well, we're not the only ones. Well, don't take it in such a defensive posture, okay? Guys, you didn't go tell your friends because you don't tell your friends anything, right? How's everything going? Good. It's okay. Yeah, right. Uh, that's something that we need to get better at as men. You can share some things that are actually going on in your life with people that you know and you love and you trust. You can be vulnerable. But I can tell you this, you probably just got mad and angry, threw some stuff around in the garage, and then you came in and you acted like it was like, okay, well, nothing to be done. I can't fix anything here. You probably just threw your hands up and said, what's the use? She's not going to change. So we all have our ways, don't we? But I see all this hateful slander happening on every level of society and every avenue of society. And this is just one thing that we can think of, but does that fix things? No, but is it the way of this world? Check. It is the way of this world. What is the way of our Lord? Humble, patient, forgiveness, right? Uh, the way of our God might also be confronting things with a humble heart that says, hey, guess what? What you did uh, was not the right way to do it. I am here not saying, and you better bow down and lick my toes Maybe I'll forgive you, but I am here saying it was not right. I want us to work on it and move forward. Can we take some steps forward? Will you walk with me through this? Can we work to forgive one another and to reconcile things? The way that we inherited from our ancestors uh, does not work. It was useless. It was vain. We've been redeemed from that old way of life. This redemption is also an Old Testament term. And this is where I would say 
we need to understand the cost is the love of God. Because that redemption is talked about in Deuteronomy chapter number 7. And in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, the Lord says to his people, you will come out, you will inherit the land, and you will conquer all, you will drive out all the, uh, the, 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 the enemies before you, and you will get to this place, and on that day, you will want to say, God did it because we're so big and mighty. And he says, that's not the reason why you have been redeemed and rescued. He says, in fact, this is the reason why you've been redeemed and rescued. Uh, he says in Deuteronomy 7 8, because the Lord loved you, we could full stop right there, right? And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, because he's faithful to his covenant promises, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. The cost of your redemption, God says, is my love. We have it here that has been revealed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed like a lamb without blemish and without spot. God's love is revealed through the shed blood of his son Jesus. The reason you and I, the reason you and I should live lives that are set apart is because the way of this world is bogus. It's not helpful. It's not healthy. It's not leading us in a positive direction. Tell me which war has solved any of the problems. Which war has ended all of, the, all of humanity's else and ills? Uh, tell me which financial uh, market system has, has fixed the problem. Any of them? Uh, tell me which governing authority has gotten it all figured out and right. That they've not been exploitative of any of their people and they've not been oppressive of any of their people. Right? Any of them? Not one. Tell me which, which of you and I have gotten it right, period. You and I, have you and I gotten it right? No, we haven't. But you know who did get it right? Jesus got it right. That's why he could be called a lamb without spot, because he did it right. So we've been redeemed from a useless way of life. And the cost... The cost of that redemption is God's love. The reason why you were redeemed was just because God flat out loves you. He loves you. And he knows that there is no war that is going to fix things. There is no government that's going to fix things. There's not one of you and I who are going to fix this. He, in his love, has sent his son Jesus to rescue us. And Jesus rescued us out of the hand of the bondmen. God, have you been rescued out of the hand of the bondman? So set yourselves apart. Here's the attitude. The attitude is reverent fear. A lot of people make the mistake and say, the reason is, re is reverent fear. And they'll say, yeah, you should do it because you should fear the Lord. God does not want you to serve him in fear of any 
nature. God wants to, you to serve him in love, in trusting love. He wants to reveal to you that there is no reason why you need to be afraid. We taught our kids this in VBS. There is this great verse that says, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. The one who lives in fear is only afraid of punishment. You and I, we are not living in fear of punishment. We are living in hope of reward. We have reserved in heaven for us an inheritance that is kept by the power of God. You and I, through our faith, are kept by the power of God ourselves. So we are not living in fear of punishment. We are living in hope of reward that has been revealed to us at this high cost of God's love, at the high cost of his son's life. Man, I thought I was in the church house today. The way. Set yourselves apart because, or in reverent fear, because there is, the way of this world is brutal and bogus. It's bankrupt and it's destructive. The reason the cost of God's love, the way the way. Verse number 22. I don't have it up on the screen, so y'all are going to have to listen. Seeing ye, or since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Y'all need to understand this. You were born again, not of corruptible seed. You were born by the incorruptible word of God which lives and abides forever. Listen, Isaiah said, all flesh is grass and the flower and, and the glory of man is like the flower of grass. The grass, uh, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. Um, some of y'all see this happening right now in your yards with this lack of rain. The grass is withering and your flowers are falling away, right? So we understand this is just like our lives. But you and I are not born into this life that is going to wither and fade. You and I who have been born anew by the word of God. The gospel that said Jesus Christ has raised from dead. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is promising rescue and restoration to all who believe in him. You and I who have trusted this word, you and I will not wither and fade. We who have been born again by the word of God, like the word of God, will live forever. And this is the word by this. It was through this word that the gospel was preached to you. So, what's the way that you and I set ourselves apart? Unfeigned love. Pure love fervently. The way that you and I set ourselves apart from this world always comes back to you and I are going to choose to live with unfeigned with sincere love and with pure love, with a passion, with a desire, a radical love. Uh, in the next verse, beginning in chapter two, he's going to unpack this a little bit, but let's think about it for a second before we unpack it a little bit. 
do we live in a world and does this world system say that the way that we treat our enemies and the people who have different ideologies from us is the way that we treat them with love? Or do we need to isolate them, ostracize them, uh, beat them into submission or else just get rid of them altogether? Isn't that, doesn't that sound like our world system? Isolate them, ostracize them, beat them into submission, or let's just get rid of them. We can get rid of them physically, or we can just get rid of them as a nuisance in, 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 in our way of doing things. And if we can't get rid of them, maybe we'll just take over and we'll exploit them. We'll, we'll, we'll get every resource that we can from them. We won't treat them with dignity and respect and humanity. We might actually even say that they're not fully human, that they're only three-quarter human. Huh, right? That's the way of this world. Uh, how do we live in love? What might Peter mean by this? Well, chapter 2, I know it starts a new chapter, but it's continuing the same thought. So it's not a new thought. He says, wherefore, be, since you should be living in love and because uh, your way of life, your way of love uh, uh, is, is the eternal way, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere of the milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That is, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So how might we live in love? I'm going to pull this up from my good friend Eugene Peterson. We've never met. But man, I tell you what, I've read some of his books, and whenever I read his uh, translation of scripture, I just feel like there's a pastor sitting with me who cares about me and who wants me to know God's love and wants me to know my marching orders as one. And Eugene Peterson says, so here's what you need to do if you're going to live in pure love. You need to clean house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You and I cannot live in love if we have these things abiding in our heart and if these things go unchecked. Let's get rid of malice and pretense. Let's get a... And get rid of any hurtful talk. New Living Translation says, let's be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Let's get rid of our deceit, our unkind speech. Uh, the voice says, uh, so get rid of hatefulness and deception. Get rid of insincerity and jealousy and slander. How can we love people? Well, simply one way that we can do it is by avoiding ha holding hate in our hearts, malice. Unkind speech, let's get rid of it. Oh man, well, I'm really kind to the people that, that are kind to me. I'm not talking about being kind to the people that are kind to you. I really don't hate the people that love me well. <laughs> you are not unique. Guess what? You look just like this world if that is the kind of love that you have. So 
how can we apply this? Well, we can apply it variously. Uh, we, in particular, we live in a hotly divided political landscape. Uh, the church uh, uh, is, people call the church to be on one, one side of the divide or the other. I see it. I see liberal churches out there and liberal pastors out there and liberal uh, uh, influencers out there who are going, you can't be a Christian if you're doing this, this, and this. And then I see conservatives saying, you can't be a Christian if you're doing this, this, and this. They want you to be on one side of the divide or the other. Here's what I would uh, imagine that we could, we could be the people who actually live in love. And by love, that means that we could stand in the gap and have two Help two people who are diametrically opposed on issues find common ground. What if we did that? What if that was the role of the church? Not choosing a side, but rising up as a unique beacon that says, we're probably not going to agree on everything, guys. So what do we find in common? Uh, maybe we shouldn't be the ones... Uh, holding out all the slander. Here's how we can apply it even beyond that. You and I, you and I, we are fed slanderous, gossipy news every day. Every day. And you and I ingest it every day. We take it in. Did you hear what so-and-so did? And it's not, it's not to inform us. It is to rile us up. It's either to put us in great fear. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Ah. Or it's to get you real hot and bothered. Did you hear what so-and-so did? I imagine that you and I probably need to start there. About being very careful about not just holding these things in our heart, but ingesting these things into our minds and our hearts. Well, I got to stay informed. I got to know the news. I got Do we? Do we? And you could talk about that on political things. You could talk about that on celebrity gossip. We know more about these people, and, 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 and we don't know all the good things about them, do we? Did you see what so-and-so did? They stepped out on so-and-so. Oh, my goodness, I need to know this. No, you don't. We do not need to be consuming a lot of that garbage that we consume that is just hateful, deceptive, slanderous, unkind speech. And then you and I can really apply it this way. We can stop spreading the hurt that somebody else did to us to another person. You and I can stop just talking about the hurt that somebody else did to us that brings somebody else in on our side so that they are hurt and hate them with us. You and I should practice Practice removing the hate and the deceit and the slanderous speech and going to our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our husbands, our, 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 our siblings, our parents, whoever it is, and looking at them in the eye and saying, look, this cannot continue.
but we can keep walking together. Do we want to walk that road? Why would we do this? Why would we do this? Because we know not doing that is a bogus, bankrupt way of living. And why would we do this? Because we've been redeemed from that bogus, bankrupt way of living at a high cost. And that high cost was God and his love coming to us and forgiving us. And saying, hey, we can't keep walking this way together, but we can take a new path. Do you want to take that path with me? That's ultimately what God has said to us. He's like, I'm not leaving you, humanity, but we can't keep walking this way together. Let's walk a new path. So Peter says, stand, set yourselves apart. Stand out from the crowd. Here's why you should stand up. For, or The attitude that you stand up from the crowd is with reverent fear because God is an impartial judge. He's not going to play favorites with you. He, he says the reason is because it is, it's, you've been redeemed from a bogus way. And actually, you could think about it. You were in bondage before. You were in slavery. The cost was immense. It was the love of God as revealed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And here's how you stand out from the crowd is you have a pure love, an insincere, I mean, a sincere love, an insincere love, everybody, a sincere love. And you do it with a radical passion. It was such a radical passion that God revealed with the high cost of his love. So can we do that, my brothers and my sisters? Can we go out and can we be wholly different by living in radical love? I hope so. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us as we consider your word. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would be with us as we think about what it means to stand out. God, we've, we've you know, I think about all the ways in which we've defined standing out. You know, uh, well, I don't wear, uh, I wear a shirt and tie. I wear, only wear white shirts or I only wear or use a red letter Bible. And Lord, all these just cheap, superficial ways in which we've said that we're going to stand apart, Lord. And really all you want us to do is stand apart in our love for people.